Today we're continuing in our series on growing closer to God. Grow closer to God. And our sermon today is open up to God. Open up to God. Pray. So the last couple Sundays and this Sunday, we've, within this series, particularly focused on what are biblically understood as the means of grace, what we talk about in the church and in the Christian faith as the means of grace. And last week, we highlighted Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which gives us essentials of the means of grace. Uh, that the, uh, the early disciples in the early church devoted themselves to, were constantly devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the koinonia or the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. So all four of those aspects flowing among each other. Okay, so that's, that's what we do. That's what we do as Christians and as the church together. Today, after particularly highlighting communion and the Lord's Supper, we today focus on prayer. How is your prayer life? How would you describe your prayer life? Well, we'll talk about that today. And we're going to open with a key verse of scripture that I introduced at the beginning of the service today. This is from Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Hear God's word. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Lillian Guild uh, tells the story about how a number of years ago, she and her husband were driving on a highway in upstate New York. And they saw to the side of the highway a young man who looked very upset. He had a shiny new sedan, but it was over to the side of the highway. So Lillian's husband who was driving pulled over and they asked, are, are you okay? Can we help you? And he, he immediately very frustrated said, this is horrible. This is the worst day of my life. I have a really important contract negotiation I need to get to and I've run out of gas and I'm running late to the meeting. So Lillian's husband, who happened to have, you know, one of those canisters with a gallon of gasoline, said, okay, well, look, let me put this gasoline in your tank, and I have good news for you. About six and a half miles up the road, there is a gas station. There's a couple more in the next several miles, but just go ahead and stop at that very first gas station, refuel. You may be a few minutes late to your meeting, but you know, you need to get gas. This is only going to... So they, uh, so anyway, he sped off, he thanked them, he sped off, you know, going over the speed limit left, and about 20 miles up the highway, Lillian and her husband saw, wouldn't you know, the same guy pulled over the side of the highway. Why? Had he refueled, or was he too busy to refuel? What do you think? He was, quote, 
too busy, in quote, to refuel. So as we think about being constant in prayer today, I want to suggest to you, and I want you to hold this in your head, you know, not only during the sermon today, but also this week, you don't want to go out into this week trying to drive on empty. It just is not going to go well. It's not going to go well. So what do we do? It sounds ridiculous to try to pull this off, right? Never stopping, always in a rush, constantly overwhelmed, but some of us tend to live that way. Now let's go to some other thoughts and analogies. Uh, let me ask you this, as dangerous as it is, it was dangerous for this guy to be driving you know, on empty. At least he wasn't putting other people all over the road in jeopardy. Uh, but somebody who might actually do that would be our next uh, candidate here. A driver who's not looking up. Do you see the driver? You know, we've got a lot of people addicted nowadays to those glowing rectangles. Are you familiar with the glowing rectangles? Man, I mean, you just can constantly be entertained and catch up with what everybody's saying. And wait a minute, is that a text to me? Wait a minute, is that an Instagram that I need to read? You know, like just all the time. And so there she is. Now, would you like to be that driver next door to her if she's swinging back and forth across her lane? What do you think? But much more dangerous would be the driver in the opposing lane of traffic, right? A driver who is not looking up is a danger to himself or herself and to a whole lot of other people. By the way, if this driver has children in the car, immediately you got to be concerned about those children, right? Well, let's move on. Speaking of children and maybe parents, Think about a parent who's not looking up. Boy, we just went a lot deeper even than, and, and really in a lot of ways more dangerous than the driver who's not looking up. The parent who's not looking up. Now, what I mean by that, well, you might be talking about physically looking up because there are a lot of parents who are likewise addicted to those glowing, you know, rectangles and other things going on in their lives. And they're not really actually paying attention to their children. And of course, this is dangerous both immediately, you know, as far as the lack of interaction, but also the training and the habits and the, the implicit message that's being conveyed to the children. Boy, when you have one of these glowing rectangles, you need to be hooked on it instead of talking to me and other people. Or, um, you know, what's really important for real, don't listen to what I tell you, watch what I do. It's my social media post, my Facebook, and catching up on this and that, and being on that phone call for 30 minutes with that person who's telling me all that's going on in somebody else's life instead of spending time with you, my child. You have just communicated a world of information to your child, the parent who is not looking up. But let's go even deeper than that. And this is the one that is most dangerous of all, and it pretty much wraps the other ones that I've introduced for you. A Christian who is not looking up, and I don't just mean in this way, I mean all the way up to. A Christian who's not looking up. I mean, that would be a Christian who's trying to run on empty and trying to do everything themselves and totally self-absorbed. That's a really dangerous combination of, of a person there, uh, destroying their own soul and potentially the souls of many other people and being unfaithful to God and his kingdom. And you just, we could just go on all day on this. So as we think about this, let me pull back as I've been trying to help remind myself as well as you, I've got it in the sermon notes again today as we 
you know, periodically I'm doing this with these grow close to God, grow closer to God sermons. I've got it there in your notes. Take a little time, look down at the sermon notes and consider taking an inventory of the week just ended. You know, we're in the beginning of the new week. It's the day of resurrection, the first day of the week. What about the week just ended? What insights and inspiration did you receive from God in your prayer life over the last seven days? Just go ahead and write some things down. I mean, special revelations, insights, redirections in your own life, in your personal life. What were some of the highlights of your prayer life this past week? You know, times when you really focused on and listened to what God was saying to you. Would you write those down? You, know, I, you, know, you can take this home. I mean, I know some of you are writing a number of things because your prayer life was rich this week. But take this home and continue to reflect on what God said to you this past week as you gave him the best of your time. Now, for those of you who are married, I know we're not all married, but those of us who are married, um, what about your prayer life with your spouse this past week? What ways did God maybe reconcile you with your spouse in new ways, maybe help you and your spouse become more fruitful as a couple? What were some of the things that God said to you when you spent and when you invested time with your spouse on your knees before God this past week? Just go ahead and jot some of those insights down. Because if you, I can tell you this, I can guarantee you this. If you spent significant amount of time with God, with your spouse, he, he, he was speaking and, and changing your hearts and growing your hearts together. Guarantee it. Let's just put some of those things down. And then, of course, it, it, I know we don't all have children, but if we do have children, maybe if you don't have children, just kind of vary this into somebody else who's special in your life. Your prayer time with your children. Because you know, hey, parents, you know. If you're not investing serious prayer time with your children, I mean, we got, we got some serious spiritual problems. This is, this is not good. So just reflect on that this past week. And again, like we've been saying in this series, use that as a point of reference to say, do I maybe need to reschedule myself a little bit this week? And maybe, you know, as important as all that other stuff is, Maybe let God have a little more time and, and be intentional about that in my week this week. Think about that in your own prayer life, including those of you who have families. Because I am here to tell you this, that Satan knows even better than you do that it is key that he derail your prayer life and that, you're, that you in your own, you know, in our own kind of laziness and distraction have a derailed prayer life. Because the thing that Satan definitely does not want is for you to get connected in close communion with God in a powerful prayer life. That would just be not good for Satan. And it definitely would not be good for his plans for your children and your household and your future. So Satan is all for you being too busy or coming up with these excuses. I mean, Satan will give you some extra excuses in case you're running short on excuses this week about all the stuff that is so much more important, and you'll get to it next week or next year or when you're retired or this or that, the other thing, then you'll be spiritual. Satan loves that. I mean, he, so he's going to promote that. He's going to be throwing the latest news break to you. Wow, every five minutes, there's something new on the same story, but I, I got to catch up with the latest news break, or I got to catch up on this post, right? You know, Satan loves that stuff. 
And the truth is, spiritually, many of us are just too proud or too self-absorbed to humble ourselves and open ourselves to a Father in heaven who is calling us to himself. We don't have to produce anything. It's like the rest of faith. It's like faith is a feast, like we've been saying. And God provides the entire banquet table. You don't have to get yourself in order. You don't have to learn how to do great prayers. I mean, as we're going to see, it's more about turning to him and receiving from him. So let's go ahead and, and, and put in context our key scripture for today. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. To rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and to be constant, persistent in prayer. Uh, this is part of a larger section of Romans that if you're looking at an ESV Bible, and I do want to encourage you to have a Bible, even though we put a lot of this up on the screen, to have a Bible and use a Bible, and we do have few Bibles that you may use also. In the ESV, if you're looking at the English Standard Version translation, you'll see that the editors, now this is not part of the original scripture, but the editors mark off segments of the Bible, and Romans 12, 9 through 21 is marked off. Do y'all see that in the ESV? It says, marks of the true Christian. Marks of the true Christian. You'll see that in your Bible if you open it up. This is talking about marks of true Christians living in the real world. And remember, Paul is writing to a beleaguered minority church in the big capital city of Rome. I mean, this is a small group of Christians now. Um, the ones who are Jewish have probably been disowned by the other Jews in Rome, okay? And the ones who are Gentiles are a small minority. They're worried about things. You know, in these days, they're having to meet off in tombs and catacombs and, and small, you know, back parts of houses and stuff. It's, they, they are not a powerful group. And so Paul is writing to these kind of Christians, just like God brings the message to you and me, about faithful, upward-looking lives for the long haul in hard times as well as good times. Faithful, upward-looking living in the real world. Now, in this message about how to live as Christians, Romans 12, 9 through 21 pretty much focuses on attitudes and actions. And those two things go together, your attitude and your action, okay? And let me give you the two framing verses because this will be helpful to understanding the key verse we're looking at today. The framing verse on this segment of scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, is this. Paul says, let love be genuine. So the driver of this entire section is love, okay, love. And uh, let me just say this. If you've not been set free in knowing and loving God yet, all of what I'm going to say is going to be kind of irrelevant. Because, see, love is, it, loving God is what is going to impel you and inspire you to pray. If you honestly say, well, yeah, I love God, but I really love all this other stuff. And the truth is, you're not in love with Jesus. You're not going to pray much. So love is going to be the driver on all this. And love connects us back to the way Romans 
chapter 12, which is a turning point in the letter, opens about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, so this moves, and then the, the, the spiritual gifts, and then we get this key verse, let love be genuine. And then listen to this now. These two words are big words, love, and then also two more, abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good. Everybody got that? Abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good. That, that's how love is lived out. That's the attitude and the action, okay? So that's verse nine. Then you get the other framing verse of this section, um, which is verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You hear how that's circling back around the same thing? Evil, good. Don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12, 21. Well, well, I wonder how we're gonna like live out this love, right? And how we are gonna abhor evil, hold fast to what is good, and in fact, even don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. How is that possible? Well, a key middle hinge here is the verse we're focusing on, which is to rejoice in hope, even in the midst of a hard real world, okay? Even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of evil, rejoice in hope, be patient in your tribulation, and be constant in prayer. How are we gonna do that? God gives it to us. So, um, I'm not focusing mainly today on the first two of those. They're actually participles. I mean, they're flowing rejoicing and hope, um, being patient and tribulation. But just to say, those can be emphasized by this. The calling of faith is to trust in the Lord and to trust in the presence and power of his Holy Spirit with us and in us as believers in our sure hope. Because as Christians, we see history from a different vantage point than most people do. See, we have the sure hope. And what is the sure hope? Well, Paul tells us in Titus 2.13, the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. Jesus has already won and he is coming again. Okay, so we see and we rejoice in that kind of vision and that kind of power. Uh, now, let's move from uh, rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation to our key for today, be constant in prayer. Paul was very serious about prayer. Paul almost killed numerous times rejected by many, accused by many, run out of towns all over, you know, all over the Roman Empire. He was serious about prayer. And he's also very serious about something Jesus emphasizes to teach us how to pray. Jesus says you need to be persistent in your praying. And Paul says the same thing. Uh, he says here to uh, be constant. That's the way it's translated. The word here is proskarterao, okay, proskarterao. It's a term that is used back in that other verse that I already talked about, how the disciples were constantly devoted to the apostles' teaching, the communion or fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. It's the same term. It's the same term. Um, it's also the same term 
that is used in another verse that we're combining with Romans 12, 12 today, which is Colossians 4, 2. Uh, to be continuing steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so y'all see, this is the same verb going on here. Continue steadfastly, y'all see that? That's the same verb there. It's also the same verb up here. They were continually devoted. Y'all see that? It is the same term. Proskotoreo, okay? So it's the same term. Um, it, it's a term that, it's interesting back in Mark's gospel in chapter three, when they're holding a boat to be ready for Jesus to get into it, it's the same term that's used there. In other words, you need to be like connected and on call, okay? You want to be engaged constantly, persistently in prayer. So how do we do this? Uh, number one, our actions for today. There's number one, number two, number three, and they are in order specifically, okay? So number one is to pray persistently up to God. Pray up to God persistently. So here's the thing. In prayer, you begin by looking up to God. How does Jesus teach us to pray? What's the first phrase? Is the first phrase, well, God, I just wanted to say to you today, is that the way, is that what Jesus said? When you pray, that's what he said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, God, I just wanted to tell you about this. Is that the way Jesus teaches us to pray? No, he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. So you want to pray persistently upward to God first. That's the way you begin prayer. You're looking up to your Father in heaven. It's not a navel-gazing therapy session to begin with, okay? You're, you're looking up to Almighty God. So we pray persistently up to God before we're going to look into ourselves and have God guide us looking into ourselves. So our Father in heaven, as Psalm 123.1 says, I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. As Hebrews talks about profusely, through Jesus, we can approach the heavenly throne of grace. I mean, this is awesome by the blood of Christ. Go, go in prayer, look up to God, look up to God. And this is consistent with this book that I mentioned to you last week when I was giving you some resources. Trevin Wax's Rethink Yourself, The Power of Looking Up Before Looking In, okay? So this is right in line with this prayer sequence, the power of looking up before you look in. And then pray persistently, habitually. You build it into your default, you build in your schedule, the practices of faith that you follow. So Justin Early in his book, I'll give you another book today, the common rule, habits of purpose for an age of distraction. Let me repeat that, habits of purpose for an age of distraction. What Justin says is that we will pray and fill our minds with something every morning. Okay, it's guaranteed. You will pray and fill your mind with something that's dominating your emotions, your day, every morning. So you got a choice. You can either create habits of gospel prayers, beginning with the way you begin your day. You can either build in habits of gospel prayer, like real prayer, or you can fill your mind with something the world is gonna stuff into your mind, okay? And, and what do we get from the world? Well, we might get anxiety and regret. We might get depression. 
self-assertion and aggression. No, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm going to, I'm going to beat it all. Uh, politics, there's a lot of politics, a lot of late breaking news. You, man, you better stay plugged. You know, I mean, it's, it's just who knows what's going to happen. That can begin your day, or you could go to the sovereign God of all the universe. Let me suggest to you, give him a little bit of time and let him reframe your day. So uh, we have this opportunity, and as we do it, as of course Jesus teaches us to pray, we're praying with the body of the church. Jesus says, pray like this, and it's always first person plural, right? We pray as members of the church. Our Father, forgive us, okay, together. Like we're praying for brothers and sisters together, right? We're part of the church, which is awesome by the Holy Spirit. So we go up to God first. Secondly, now back to us. Open up yourself to God. Go ahead and do it. Don't be afraid. And don't be, Martin and the rest of us, don't be sinfully holding back. Open up yourself to God. So when you've looked up to God, when you're at the throne of grace, right? Then you got to open yourself up. Open yourself up to God. All of my desires, dreams, fears, thoughts, plans, regrets, bring it all to God. I mean, here's the thing. God is the creator, and he's made you for his creative grace, right? Your prayer life should not be something that like nobody would ever want to write a song about or whatever. Like, do people write songs where it's just like, well, there's nothing really there, just a couple of rote words? Does that, will that song sell? Will that book sell? Will that movie sell? No way, right? Look, don't give 1% or 2% of yourself to God in prayer. Open the whole thing up. Because here's the truth, this is an awesome truth. There is no experience that you've had, no thought that you're having right now that's too dark for God to handle. <laughs> We're not talking about a little God. Like, like David says in Psalm 139, even if I go down to the depths of hell or Sheol, you know, you can go down there and reach me. You know what? Even, you know, even for you, God, even darkness is light. Hey, God can deal with and heal you and save you from whatever you need to bring before him. Just bring it all. As the scripture invites us to do, Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will sustain you. Cast it all on him. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Don't hold back. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Come to the Savior. Open yourself and be healed. Open yourself and be redirected. Bring it all. Open up yourself. And uh, more on this later, this will have to be another sermon, but as the Puritans say, pray until you pray. And yes, that's not a misprint. Pray until you pray. Um, and this is definitely going to have to be another sermon. Some of you have heard this from me before, but remember the acronym, right? Uh, which I, th I find helpful, right? I, I, I preached on this ages ago back uh, in Georgia, but pray, right? So praise, repent, ask, yield. Pray and praise, repent, ask. Now notice that's not a T. That's not tell God. Okay, <laughs> don't put a T in there. It's ask, and then, this is key, why? Yield. Yield yourself. 
He's the sovereign God. He knows better than you. Yield yourself to God. And as Romans 8 says, and we had this with the response of the faith, we don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us and helps us, even with groans that words can't express. And then flowing from that, number three, after looking upward, praying upward to God, and then opening ourselves to God, number three, pray and follow up watchfully outward to our neighbors and the world. This sequence is key now. Now, in follow-up, we're going to go watchfully outward to neighbors in the world, positive and negative on outward. You know, relationships are complex. The world is complex, right? So you're going to be watchful in that way, but also watchful in the sense that God is going to do things that you may not know or expect unless you've got your eyes up. So you want to be directed towards others as God shows you. Okay, watchful in both ways. That's, that's the way Colossians 4, 2 applies. Um, persistent, joyful prayers persevere in the gospel of Jesus Christ, overcoming, this is awesome, you will be part of the story of overcoming evil with good because you belong to Jesus. And Jesus has already won the battle. As Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There's that word again. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's how awesome the Lord is to whom you can pray. Talk to him, bring everything to him this week. And I can assure you this, your world, your soul, your relationships will be transformed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.